0: Don't wait. Visit Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save.
2: The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. And welcome back. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com on all social media sites, exxon Radio TV. To find out about the broadcast schedule for the Exxon Broadcast Network, go to www.xzbn.net. and for the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV www.simultv.com Now what we are doing because of this worldwide pandemic that is wreaking havoc with people around the world is that we have made special arrangements with Simultv, who is the distribution arm of the Exxon Broadcast Network, to uh, let viewers around the world watch the Exxon TV channel at no charge whatsoever. You can listen to The best of music from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, commercial-free, no charge. You can read past editions of the X Chronicles newspaper, as well as the current editions of the X Chronicles newspaper, with our compliments. All this to try and help and be part of a solution that has gripped the world. To get all of this. You just have to go to one website, www.xzbnprime.com. That's xzbnprime.com. When you go to the uh, XZBN website, you're going to see PSO on the schedule, and that stands for Paranormal Stakeout. Joining me this hour is my good friend Larry Lawson, who is the host of Paranormal Stakeout. And uh, Larry is in... Florida on the coast. I've had the pleasure of, of visiting that beautiful part St. Sebastian, Vero Beach, part of Florida. And Larry, it's always great having you here on the Exxon, my friend.
3: Well, it is a pleasure to be with you, my friend. It's uh, been a while.
2: <laughs> it has been it, way too long. Uh, Larry, uh, you and I were chatting briefly before we went to air about the coronavirus. And, and mm-hmm. as, as a police officer, how has the coronavirus affected the part of Florida where you are?
3: Well, it's uh, it's actually, uh, it's just now starting to peak in our area, I think. Uh, it, it's been a little bit tougher down in the Miami-Fort Lauderdale mm-hmm. area. Orlando's hitting it, getting hit pretty hard. Uh, we're, we're what we call the Treasure Coast, and we're about 50 miles north of West Palm and about 50 miles south of Cape Canaveral on the East Coast. Uh, I, I We certainly haven't been um, shielded from it, but it's not hit us as quickly as some of the larger metropolitan areas. But it's starting to to, uh, invade this area, and it's taxing our system uh, tremendously. And we're expecting this week and next week to probably be some of the roughest times for us.
2: Now, I, I, on the news, I saw f- pictures of uh, the, the uh, law enforcement agencies actually turning people away who were coming down into the Florida area who had no business being down there.
3: Yeah, the uh, governor set up checkpoints on I-10 coming out of Louisiana, where they had a pretty big, hot, hot area, mm-hmm. I think in the New Orleans area, and certainly the I-95 corridor, which uh, has... Always been famous for uh, travelers from the northeast coming down here, and they've literally set up checkpoints out there uh, to, you know, check and see why people are coming into the state and what what their business is. It's it's an attempt to, you know, cut off the virus before it spreads. And sometimes folks, I guess, don't get it, or maybe they get uh, nervous. They get uh, they get worried about friends and family, which Mm -hmm. I can understand, but. You know, when there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of spread, as we now know.
2: How has the uh, coronavirus affected policing?
3: Well, it's obviously put a, a stress on everyone. Now, uh, we, and this is just my opinion, the firefighter paramedics are the ones that have it a lot tougher because they have actually have to respond to calls of people being sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we, we will um, uh, re- respond with them when we can. But a lot of times they are the ones that have to go through it themselves. Now, as far as us, obviously handling calls for service and working extra hours, it's 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 tough. as you know, I don't I don't do it full time anymore. Yeah. But the guys that are out there, they're they're having it's it's stressing their families. They come home, they really can't be with their families because they don't know who they've come in contact with. So it's been difficult.
2: Now, as the, as the head honcho of the paranormal FBI group. And the Indian River Hauntings group. How has the coronavirus affected the, the paranormal community down there?
3: It's pretty well shut it down because, uh, frankly, you have to be responsible in your actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indian River Hauntings, of course, we do we do tours of, of historical nature as well as paranormal, and that is shut down completely because, uh, frankly, it's um, uh. It's just a responsible thing to do. We don't do our own, the FB, the Florida Bureau of Paranormal Investigation, our investigative arm, have not been doing anything because, once again, we're all pretty well quarantined. And in a, the state of Florida is is in a, um, shutdown mode right now. It Only is, essential right? people are out there. So we're not doing a whole lot right now.
2: Um, prior to the shutdown, um, I, I would imagine you were as busy as usual. Yeah, it's,
3: uh, you know, as you know, I had to take uh, some time off yeah. january and february but um yeah it was it was very busy in fact right up to the uh the day early in march when they began to shut things down i i had people calling uh, for tours and we had several investigations planned it was very very busy we'd done a um a benefit we worked very closely with the indian river historical society down here and we did a benefit for them to help uh, raise money for their to keep their their historical buildings uh going and uh it was at the end of february we did that and just uh within a week or so after that we shut down completely
2: let me ask you this larry was did you notice an increase in paranormal activity as we got closer to the coronavirus epidemic
3: in all fairness no not necessarily we we had some interesting things occur but we did not see um Anything that caught our eye as being unusual. And I've been asked this question before uh, by folks wondering if, you know, there there is some indication uh, of this coming. But not us, but other folks have that, I, that I've that i been told.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I often wondered that. And uh, I knew you were coming on the show tonight, so I thought I'd save that question for you. Uh, when it comes to the, the paranormal and the investigations, have you ever noticed anything that you could correlate a spike of activity with?
3: Well, you know that it's interesting you bring that up because one of the tenets of our organization, um, we're out to collect evidence. Uh, right. As you know, being a law enforcement officer of uh, forty years now, um, I look at things. Uh, I look at this as, a, as an investigation, as if I was conducting a criminal investigation. So evidence is. Is paramount. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, collecting this the evidence, um, and and I'm kind of lost track of your question there. I'm sorry, but uh, collecting the evidence uh, is something that we take very very seriously. And if you can restate your question for me, I apologize.
2: Sorry, what I was asking is: Have you been have you been able in the past to correlate ah. any spike in paranormal activity with any event that is going on?
3: And that's what we're doing now. That's where I was going with it. I apologize. The, um, w- a lot of our equipment is used to, to, to test things like uh, atmospheric anomalies as well as maybe solar anomalies and things like that. And we're trying right now to collect evidence to see if it does correlate with a spike of activity. Um, we were on the road to getting a lot of that done when we pretty well got shut down, but uh, we have found that. There are certain things that do spark um, uh, events, but not necessarily uh, events such as this. It's more like, more like atmospheric conditions, that type of thing. I don't know if that answers your question. The way I went, we have never, we have never found a spike in activity before a major event occurred. If that's really? Kind of question you're asking.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I was asking, my friend. All right, Larry, stand by. You and I have to take our first break. Index donation okay. if you'd like more information about my good friend Larry Lawson. Here are two websites paranormalfbi.com. That's the uh, paranormalfbi.com and Indian River That's Indian River And Larry and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Now don't forget, if you'd like to listen to the best of music in happy times, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s, as well as watch the Exxon TV channel as well as read all the past editions of the X-Chronicles newspaper, just go to one place, www.xzbn.com. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the X-On. Don't go away.
0: Ooh, don't wait. Visit Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello dot slash save. Sonobello slash save.
2: Welcome back to the X-Zone. For all our Ontario listeners, uh, you'll all be happy to know that Premier Doug Ford has proclaimed that the Easter Bunny is part of the essential services, so Easter will not be cancelled this weekend. But stay at home. No family visits. You've got to keep this up, gang. We're seeing that it is working. Self-isolation works. Social distancing works. So please... Please think about the other person. Think about your family, but also think about those outside that if you decide to go outside, they may infect you or you may infect them, and we've got enough on our plates. So stay safe, stay well, and for goodness sake, stay at home. Larry Lawson's our guest, ParanormalFBI.com and IndianRiverHauntings.com. Larry, what we talked about the collection of evidence uh, in the last segment. Uh, do all groups collect evidence, and is that evidence shared with all other uh, paranormal groups and investigation units?
3: Well, as you, go ahead, I'm sorry, I had a little feedback there. As you know, uh, Rob, this is a huge uh, issue for me, and mm-hmm. the answer to your question is generally speaking, no. Uh, there's There are tons of groups out there. I think you and I I talked one time, there was something like 5,000 groups in the Los Angeles area yep. alone. And there's all kinds of people out there doing this, and many of them are what I refer to as the paranormal thrill seekers, and mm-hmm. I'm certainly not disparaging that, but they want to go out on the weekend, have fun, hear the bump in the night, maybe get an EVP and be thrilled and go back to work and forget about it the, the next week. But what do they do with this evidence? What do they do? You would mentioned before about about do do we find any correlation between a spike in activity and major events. The problem is nobody's collecting the evidence and analyzing it. And and I say nobody. That's probably not fair. I'm sure there's some folks out out there that do. But there is no no sharing that's going on. Uh, There's no no sharing of information. There's no sharing of evidence. And sometimes it's not intentional. Mm -hmm. There are some groups out there that like to. Share their evidence, but there's no central repository for me down in here in Vero Beach, Florida to find out what somebody's doing up in Tacoma, Washington,
2: necessarily. But, Larry, if you're all looking for the same solution, why not share the information? You know, as well as I do, as being two cops, that the information that we have is shared on two computers in the United States, I believe it's NCIC, and up here in Canada, Mm -hmm. CPEC. We share the information.
3: Uh, well, you know, here here's part of the problem. One is one is a general feeling of look, we're never going to prove this. People are either going to believe it or not believe it. We know what's going on, so mm-hmm. this will never happen. That's one way of thinking, one line of thought that's out there. I don't agree with it. Uh, I'm I'm kind of a, a pain in the butt about that. I. I believe we can find the answer if we all pull together. But there's such a belief out there that it's never going to get any better. So let's just collect what we have and, and go forward. The other part of those thrill seekers that I'm talking about, and these are folks that are just wanting wanting to have a thrill. And when, when I say that, I almost make it sound bad. But, you know, there are folks that just like to have thrills. Why do people jump out of perfectly good airplanes, for example? Why do people jump off of a cliff with a rubber? a band around their ankle. It's for a thrill. There are always gonna be people like that and you know, that's that's part of life. But unfortunately I'm finding that is a huge majority of the folks that are out there wanna falling into those two fields. Now I've talked to folks and talked to groups that hey Larry you're right. We need to collect this evidence. We need to start analyzing it and maybe correlate a major event
0: mm-hmm.
3: with a spike of activity. But we're just not there yet. Which just not there yet. And it's a a shame because, hey, how often can you go out and hear that bump in the night or get the EVP and it'd be thrilling? After a while, it's the same thing. If you're not doing it for a purpose, why are you doing it? And that's where I'm coming from.
2: It would seem that with all the different groups out there uh, who have been, some of them have been out there 10, 15, 20 years doing doing investigations and such, that there would be a repository where other organizations and groups could add to the data, as well as use the data that's already been collected. It would Mm -hmm. make it so much easier.
3: It would, but what you have to do up front, Rob, is you have to have some level of standards, some level of structure. In other words, you... you you know, you've got to have people doing things in a certain way, and I, I take a lot of heat for this. That oh, we just can't, we just can't put ourselves into a box and do do something the same way every time. It doesn't work like that. Well, I say, hooey! There are ways to, to create structure so that a guy doing an EVP session down here in Florida mm-hmm. is essentially doing it the same way they're doing it in Washington. Heck, as police officers, uh, there's when if we were to conduct a homicide investigation down here in Vero. Your detectives up in Niagara, Canada, Niagara Falls, Canada, are going to st- essentially do it the same way. Exactly. A few changes, a few changes here and there. You know, there'll be changes in the laws, maybe in some techniques, but generally the standards and the structure is going to be the same. That's what we have to do, and that would assist in creating that um, uh, that repository. But there's another problem too, Rob, and that's egos. Hmm. Oh, you're not going to tell me how to do it any other way. I know I, I'm doing it the right way. I'm not going to share my evidence. We've got to get away from that. And I do see people wanting to head in that direction. But we still haven't gotten a momentum to go forward. And let's face it, too, right now, especially, people have other things on their minds. Big time. Are, yeah. So, but that's, my, that's, that's the direction I see.
2: When you're doing your Indian River Hauntings tours, where is the most haunted place that you take the people who go on these tours with you?
3: Well, and and before I answer that, I'll tell you this: the the tours that we go on are not here to scare you. Tours they're also historical tours. Right. To be in this, to to do this, you must love and appreciate history. So these tours are historical facts about the area, uh, as well as the stuff that we and my investigative team, the FBPI, um, have investigated. So to answer your question as to what's the, the, the scariest spot, we've, for the longest time I've gotten, I still have to say Felsmere, uh, the town of Felsmere, which you visited, yeah, you so joined did. us out a couple times. Great place. Um, we, we have had some very amazing things happen in, in in that town. I will tell you this, in the month and a half leading up to this event, it was dead quiet if you excuse the pun, there, <laughs> n- nothing was going on. Uh, is that an indicator of something was? I have no, I, I mm-hmm. couldn't tell you for sure. I don't know, but it was very, very quiet. Like Whereas uh, in a couple of other spots, uh, a little more activity started showing up. Uh, we had a, a place in Sebastian that asked us to come in. It's a, a microbrewery, brewery, and the building itself, frankly, used to be a post office. Up until they came in there it was a it was a post office and it was a hardware store uh, i personally heard myself a piano playing in there when we were doing our investigation and there's never been a piano in there and we got it on a recorder too so there's other spots that picked up at fellsmere which is our scariest spot to answer your squ- your question that the place where most folks have experienced something has been very quiet since the beginning of the year
2: hmm calm before the storm
3: well, you know, all we can do is suppose on that one. We, I, I don't know. All I can tell you is it was quieter than we've ever seen it. And uh, because we we show people, we try to show people the right way to do this and, and the responsible way to do this, there's no, you know, we don't make things happen. So it was legitimately quiet on all, on all fronts.
2: Hmm. Do you find graveyards are more active than other places that you've uh, taken your tours to?
3: I don't, I don't go take tours to graveyards, and part of it is uh, respect. Mm-hmm. For example, um, uh, the Fellsmere Graveyard, which is old, and we've had some amazing things happen there. I, I will only take folks there that are legitimately trying to collect data, uh, and, and that's mostly for respect. I suppose if we were in a place like St. Augustine, it would be a little bit different because the, uh, the cemeteries are, are more in the middle of the town. The times I've been in cemeteries, uh, I've I've had some very, very unique things happen. I can't tell you that I've had more experiences there than I've had, say, in the old school in Felsmere. But uh, there certainly has been some instances where I've had uh, uh, things dashing in front of me, lights that just appeared out of nowhere. Uh, and then I've talked to many people that that's the only place they'll go is a, a graveyard. So, really? Uh, me personally, I don't find it to be that much more active than the other places.
2: Hmm, Food for thought as we go into this uh, half-hour break with the news. Larry Lawson is my very special guest. He's the host of Paranormal Stakeout. It's on the Exxon Broadcast Network. To find out where and where you can listen to Larry, visit www.xzbn.net. The Exxon is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And we come to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and on Simul TV. I'm Rob McConnell. Buck away. Lawson is my guest to this hour, explanation, www.paranormalfbi.com or indianriverhauntings.com. Larry, what has been the most pivotal part of the years that you've doing been doing paranormal investigations that, to you, proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that ghosts are real? Hmm. hmm.
3: Well, that's an interesting question. I try you know, anybody that says they absolutely know the answers are either liars or fools or a little bit of both. I personally have had, I mean, uh, the, the first time I ever saw a full, full-bodied apparition was I'd just gotten my start in uh, law enforcement. as a—I uh, started in the Dade County Jail as a corrections officer. My first nine months as a, in law enforcement was there. And I, one night, I saw a figure walking down the, on the catwalk between two of the cell blocks. And there was no doubt what I saw. Uh, nothing fuzzy or, or wispy about it. It was a figure. But that figure ended up not being there. What I'm getting at is m- many of us in the field, and some that aren't in the field, have experienced things that they know damn well have happened. The problem is is proving it and what exactly that it is. Now, that event, event I'm talking about was probably the – I never had anything happen to me as a child. I never experienced anything as a kid. Mm-hmm. That event there happened as a, as a young adult and sticks with me. And since then, I've had, uh, I've had uh, a number of other things that have happened. But you know what? We don't know what it is. And, and that's the mission of the Florida Bureau of Paranormal Investigations is to find out what it is. Now, do I believe there's something else out there? Yeah, and and I believe it based upon events like I just shared with you in the jail. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you or your listeners or my guests on tours that I know what a ghost is hmm. or I know what the phenomenon is. The only way we're going to find out is by serious investigation using the scientific method to try and come up with the answers. Um, I... I know that's probably not the answer you expected to hear, but the only thing I could tell you, Rob, is there's something out there, and it may, there is some belief uh, that it may actually be us. I don't know if you're familiar with a, it happened in Toronto in the 70s, it was called the Philip Experiment. Are you familiar with that?
2: I am, but tell our listeners about it.
3: Well, that was a really interesting, I, and, and the name of the organization's escaping me, I want to say it was the uh, Toronto association of, I I can't remember the exact name of it, but the name of the the name of the experiment was the Philip experiment. Mm -hmm. And what this group did was they created, they wanted to find out exactly how, how much our mind, our minds, uh, created this, this phenomenon. They created a guy named Philip. They gave him a full dossier. I think they set his, um, his, uh, uh, timing back in the 15, 1600s, something like that, in the midst of some very uh, uh, historically significant events. And they gave him a whole dossier, uh, a family, dog, whatever. Then after they created this dossier, they began doing what EVP sessions or seances, if you will. And you know what? They started getting answers that identified themselves as Philip. They videotaped a lot of it. They recorded a lot of it, uh, and there's certainly going to be folks out there that are going to question whether or not they did it that was legitimate or not. But the bottom line is they were getting Philip to respond to them. They even had table levitation occur because of it. So there was no Philip. So what was it? Was it the other side playing games with them, or was it the strength of their own minds, their own, their own psyche that was creating such a believable person that their own energy caused it to act out. Does that make sense?
2: It does. And the Philip experiment was uh, done in 1972. Exonation. Yeah. And it was conducted by a Toronto Parapsychological Research Society, led by mathematical genesis uh, geneticist uh, Dr. A. R. George Owen, and overseen by parapsychi by psychologist Dr. Joel Witten. Um. So it was taken, kind of on a serious level, but there was a lot of criticism about the entire oh, event yeah. as well. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah, there was a lot of people that felt that they they did not have the proper scientific mm-hmm. uh, safeguards in place and whatnot. But but you know when you think about it, Rob, they're actually showing that well, Philip never existed, so he couldn't be a ghost from the other a spirit from the other side. Right. So does that does, let's just say they, let's just say they didn't use all of the proper methods. And I'm finding many of the groups. There, there's one famous experiment in England and I'm not even going to go into the name or anything. That once you read about it, they didn't follow proper procedures at all. But if this is the case, and is there really, are there really ghosts? Are there really spirits on the other side, or was it the 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 actual? energy from their own minds. I mean, we do not know the entire capacity or abilities of our own
2: brain. Well, if that can be the case for a ghost, do you think it can also be applied to other aspects of the paranormal? For example, um, Bigfoot sightings, lake monsters, UFOs, and I'm not talking about the ones that uh, Andrea Perron sees. Um, (laughs) I can't believe I said that
3: i really kind of shocked you did, too. But anyway... It's a good thing I didn't say
2: anything <laughs> about the flying saucers that she sees that are the size of football fields, right?
3: Yeah, well, no, you didn't mention that at okay. all. Sure. Anyway, um, it, it can be applied anywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, I am not going to sit here and tell you that, that that it was a figment of their own imagination. I wasn't there, so I am not going to sit there and here and say they faked anything. I, did, I don't know. Right. But it does bring... bring it does bring into the light that there is a possibility that we have the ability, with with the power of our own brains, to create things. So that and that is the mission of the FBPAI. To answer your question, Rob, yes, I do believe there's something out there. What it is, I don't know. And anybody that says they know for sure, right, I question them.
2: So do I. How long does it usually take your group to do an investigation let's say on a home
3: well I don't like for lots of reasons because I, I don't normally do homes we don't do homes um, unless it's a special uh, reason and uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of liability reasons for mm-hmm. that one I don't I don't like doing homes because you are also dealing with other people's um, mental health or illness issues. Uh, but we will, will, if this, if it's a serious, uh, situation, but let's take a building. We do do a lot of buildings that people are renovating to, uh, uh, start a business in, for example, we'll go in, we'll do a, uh, uh talk to the owners. We'll do, mm-hmm. um, a survey. I have, a, I have actually, a, two members of my team. One is a retired detective Lieutenant with Monroe County from the Monroe County Sheriff's office. And she does all my backgrounds and she, she goes through all of the uh, uh, hist- historical documents, uh, property appraiser, tax, collect- the whole bit, to find out everything about the property as far back as we can go. We then conduct an interview with the owners or the people that are principal in the in the uh, the the uh, facility, the the venue, and then we'll conduct our investigation. And that can go anywhere from two hours to five and six hours. And we prefer to go back several times uh, simply because anybody that thinks they can get all the data they need mm-hmm. in one 4-hour session are fooling themselves. So we'll we'll try and go back several times to uh, to to venues to continue gathering data. We do not embark on things such as we'll clear your house of your spirit. To me that's um, that's an ethical issue.
2: You're investigators. Uh, mhm. You're investigators
3: correct and and that's what we try to do now we will try to find answers for example we will get a, um, a name we may get, uh, get a name on a piece of our equipment and then we will start researching the name to find out if there's any historical connection with what we heard or, or received with the property so it, it it's not it's not a cookie cutter thing rob you've you know we we try to go in three four times the hours vary sometimes the hours will vary because of the owner of the property we can only be in there a certain amount of time, if that makes sense. So we'll go back three or four times.
2: The owner being there while you're doing mm-hmm. your investigation, is that an asset or is that a, a hindrance?
3: Ooh. Ooh, that, that, that is a, um, that is a uh, big source of argument in the field. Really? Some people say, absolutely not. You don't need anybody. You, you don't want them there. My feeling is, is why not? There's experiencing it now we go through a whole session with them informing them how we need them to conduct themselves um, but I'm, I have nothing to hide I want them to see it and and frankly sometimes the the owner or the purse the principal person that's theirs may be the reason that the events are happening so I personally find it to be an advantage we have never had an issue with having an owner or the owners representative with us I think um, for uh, um transparency i think it's very very important that they see what we're doing right uh uh, and frankly they see how we how we operate and they walk away very pleased and i constantly hear you've got really a professional outfit here because we have a routine that we do and that we go through so that everything is pretty much the same so i find i don't find it a hindrance at all
2: all right my friend please stand by you and i have to take our final break for this hour larry always great talking to you and uh thank you for your service my friend
3: Thank you, and same to you, my
2: friend. Exo nation if you'd like to have more information about Larry and the great work that he and his groups do, paranormalfbi.com and indianriverhauntings.com. And we'll both be back on the other side of this uh, commercial break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. <music> Larry Lawson is my guest this hour, Exonation. Here's a couple of websites, paranormalfbi.com and indianriverhauntings.com. And you can listen to Larry on the Paranormal Stakeout Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network. And all you need to do to find out when the show will be aired, go to www.xzbn.net. Larry, this hour is going way too fast, my friend. First of all, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, my very best to your beautiful family from uh, their relatives up here in the northern part of the uh, the other side of the border of Buffalo. What the hell? <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, how, do, how important are ethics, in your opinion, in the paranormal investigation and, uh, you know, research organizations?
3: Well, there are they're absolutely vital. And part of the reason you see it is because of all the char- charlatans that have historically been attached to the field. Mm-hmm. Um, groups that that either by design show lack of ethics or, or a lack of maturity or training in the field, it, it doesn't matter. It cre- continues to create a tremendous amount of harm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know of one venue in particular that, that I went to, was going to take a um, uh, a group of people to, and we couldn't. and the reason we couldn't because there was a, a another group that was there that had gone in there and acted like they owned the place, mm-hmm. uh, had treated the staff, and the property with such disrespect. The venue decided nobody can ever come in there and do any kind of work like that again. Oh, gosh. Now that that type of ethic is is how you treat people and and how we are viewed and how folks take what we're doing seriously or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that part of the ethics is is very important. Conducting yourself in such a way that your mom would be proud of you. That's kind of a a benchmark I have. Always do something that you're. Your mom will be proud of it because your mom sees everything, right? There's another part of the ethics, too, and that has to do with the folks that you're dealing with and their state of mind mm-hmm. and what they're hoping to find. Uh, I've seen groups out there that have made claims, we'll come in and, um, and clean, clear your house and solve your problem. Or we'll come in and we'll drive away this bad spirit that's there. I've seen some groups that are just, they're just naive. They think they can do it and they don't. And I've seen some other ones that just do it to say they can do it wow. to build their own nest. Uh, I'm a huge believer in policing ourselves. So when you know when a group, a legitimate group sees that happens, they have to call them out. But think about this for a second. You've got an individual, you, and you mentioned homes before. Yes. You've got an individual that wants to come into, that has a problem in their house. Now, mm-hmm. this individual may have mental health issues yeah. and this group lacks the ethics to, to, to be honest about what they can and can't do and makes a promise to this individual who's already suffering from other issues that may be the cause of what they're experiencing but they go in there they do their thing and they leave saying we've we identified it we've solved the problem oh thank you very much and a week later the problems start again it could be because they didn't solve the problem, or it could be because the the um, client uh, has other issues. But they didn't care about that. They only cared about feathering their nest and putting one more feather in their cap, so to speak. And they've turned out harming somebody even f- further because now the problem has come back. And uh, what have you done? You, you told me the problem was solved. It's not. And now they can't find the person, the, the group or the group doesn't call them back Mm -hmm. those are ethical dilemmas that happen in this
2: field and they've got to stop so how do you police it and how do you stop it
3: well right now the only way to do that my friend is to when when a legitimate group sees that okay they don't want to maybe badmouth folks but they need to at least call them out and maybe let other folks in the field know hey you know they're not Mm -hmm. they're not holding up to the standards that we want to there's a lot of decent groups out there I want to make sure that's really clear to your listeners. There's a lot of terrific organizations out there that are truly trying their best, and when those groups find somebody that's making promises they can't keep for whatever reason, they need to call them out. Now, in a bigger picture, wouldn't it be great if we had? I know you've got it in Canada. We certainly have it here in Florida uh, for policing. Man, when you you've got to set a set of standards and you better follow yes, them that's or right. else. Yep. You know, now I get a lot of heat from that. A lot of folks in groups say, oh, that you can't do that. I guess it's the cop in me. But it's the only way we can police ourselves by having folks watching out for others on the inside.
2: But those who are against it, Larry, doesn't this show that they're really not serious about what they're doing and they might be doing it for the wrong reasons?
3: Well, yes and no. And I and I had that same belief up front. And, and I, I think that it certainly be, it puts a, puts a uh, suspicious eye in it for mm-hmm. me when somebody says, no, man, you're not going to tell me how to do it. No, you're not going to come look over my shoulder either. It does make me suspicious, but there are just some people in this field, they've been doing it for so long, and they've had nothing. nobody else to say, hey, you can't do that, or you shouldn't do that, or is there a better way to do it? They're just not going to listen. Now, I wish they would. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they are definitely doing something improper or unethical, but without some sort of standards and and self policing, you know, we're going to continue to have we're going to continue to have problems like that.
2: You know, you're talking about uh, somebody who says that they've been doing this for so long, and you know, they basically don't want to change. But mm-hmm. the fact that they've been doing. Paranormal investigations for so long, and still the the anomaly has yet to be de- defined or identified. Wouldn't that show that whatever he's doing, he may be doing it wrong?
3: Oh yeah, but but sometimes they start believing their own press. Uh, if you get get my point? I sure do. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and hey, I've even seen it in police work. I'm sure you saw it up there, especially when things transitioned from the. 60s to the 70s the 80s and the 90s you saw a lot of the old timers hey i've been doing it this way for 20 years young buck you're not going to change my mind i'm not saying that's right but it's what happens and finally obviously in in our our business things have changed we're not quite there yet in the paranormal field because Mm -hmm. we don't have a we don't have a central body it's everybody doing their own thing and that's scary sometimes my friend it's scary
2: if you would have the opportunity of being the man in charge of all these groups, what are the first three things that you would do?
3: Uh, structure, training on the structure. What I mean by structure is coming up with um, a plan. And folks misunderstand this. They hear me say structure. Well, we're not. I, I'm not. I've been I'm I'm doing it my own way. Structure is very can be very loose much like I described a homicide investigation down here Mm -hmm. and one up in uh, Niagara Falls Canada there's gonna be some differences on techniques there's gonna be some differences on some rules but essentially it's gonna be done the same way the major structure and that's what we need to do then we need to train folks and get everybody on board with it to start working that way and that's if if that ever happens I don't know but I'm I'm, a, I'm pretty stubborn I believe it will happen someday so those are the first two things and then the other one is ethics training ethics uh, setting up standards in ethics, uh, and ethics and on how we conduct business um, so those would be the three things mm-hmm. standards training and ethics
2: tell us about the the YouTube channel that you do
3: oh well that's kind of just a, a, a fun thing um, we, uh, we're on YouTube. It's all called On the Air with Indian River Hauntings, and it's uh, a, a buddy of mine in England who uh, I've met and done some work with. I actually had him on the uh, Paranormal Stakeout Show uh, a year or two ago, and uh, he he uh, has some psychic abilities. And uh, when I was over in England, we did some work together last last summer before all this craziness happened. And we just basically talk about these sort of topics. It's... Uh, there's not. We have a, a general direction that we're going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can call in. We uh, we you know people type in questions and I'll answer their questions, and uh, it's just a it's just, it's supposed to be a forum for folks that are interested in the field to talk about their experiences, what their thoughts are. Uh, I'm going to tell you right up front. I am not an expert in the field. There's no experts in the field. Um, and Chris uh, Huff, who's the the other the gentleman over in Durham, England, it's kind of interesting because he's in England. I'm in Florida, and my son Ryan is in Orlando, and he kind of engineers it for us. Um, we, we just talk about what's on our mind and what the folks that are listening, what the, what's on their mind, um, and it's it's more of a more of an open forum.
2: Excellent, you're making a difference, my friend.
3: I'd like to think so, and I'm not going to stop. I may be stubborn, but I'm not going to stop until we get things turned.
2: Larry, as always, the time goes by so fast. Let our listeners know your websites one more time, my friend.
3: Sure. Uh, uh, the Florida Bureau of Paranormal Investigation is www.paranormalfbi.com. And Indian River Hauntings, which is our, um, our public arm, our outreach arm, if you will, will be at www.indianriverhauntings.com.
2: Larry, from our home to yours, take care of yourself. Stay well and stay home, my friend. Remember, social distancing. Yeah, being a police social officer. Social distancing, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. It's
3: helping us here.
2: Larry, take care of yourself, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us tonight.
3: And thank you for inviting me. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. All right, bye-bye. Bye.
2: All right, XO Nation, Larry Lawson was our guest this hour. Two websites, Paranormal FBI, I'm sorry, ParanormalFBI.com and IndianRiverHauntings.com. I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as The X Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, will continue from our broadcast center and studios right here in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.